You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shiny. You mean shiny. Shh. You wanna get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Cujo, that's Cujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. Uh, you can find more of our work at towerjunkiespod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter and every other level of social media at towerjunkiespod. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of obsessiveviewer.com's various podcasts. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and joining me as usual is... Tiny, how is it going, Tiny? Hey, man, it's going pretty good. How are you hey, doing? Good. I'm doing quite okay. Um, we are here tonight to, for the first time in a while, to do a Tower Drinkies episode. Um, we today are going to be continuing our series on Carrie with a review of David Carson and Brian Fuller's 2002 TV movie adaptation of Carrie starring Angela Bettis. Uh, but before we do that, we've got some Stephen King news and check-ins to attend to and everything, but, uh, tiny, we're back at tower junkies. How do you feel about that? Cause we haven't had an episode in a little while. It's been a hot minute. Glad to be back. Yes, yes. So am I. Our last episode was, Jesus, August 10th. Um, wow. And it is, yeah, it is October 12th now. So I'm so sorry, you guys, but we've been releasing stuff on the other shows as well and on Patreon, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, but this is actually the first episode of Tower Junkies that we're recording with uh, the equipment that I got in August. So very, oh, very wow. cool. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, before we get into our review and everything, do you want to get into some news and check-ins, Tiny? Absolutely. Nice. All right, well, I've got a few or a couple of news items here. Of course, uh, Stephen King has uh, on Netflix Mr. Harrigan's Phone, uh, an adaptation of the novella from If It Bleeds, I think. Um, it is on Netflix now, <laughs> but since we haven't covered If It Bleeds, I, I feel like we can't adapt, we can't cover that, or I can't watch that yet. So it's I'm insane. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> our friend Kim C over at the Year of Underrated Stephen King, uh, posted her review of it. So check that out over there. Um, but the piece of news that I have is that there was, um, while he was promoting Mr. Harrigan's phone, he had an interesting, um, uh, quote that surfaced where basically the headline is Stephen King reveals what book he once adapted. 
uh, he wants mm. to have adapted. It sounded like I said once adapted. Anyway, um, so his quote is, quote, I don't think anybody ever optioned Rose Matter, which I thought would have made a great movie. Joyland was optioned by the guy who made The Help. He did a terrific script, and I thought it would make a hell of a movie. The first one I wrote for Hard Case Crime, The Colorado Kid, turned into a TV series called Haven, and it was on the air for quite a while. Um, and then, and then he said the checks never bounced. So that was good, (laughs) which I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. yeah, So, um, you haven't read Rose Matter, have you? I haven't. Me neither. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard good things about it. I've heard very good things about it. Um, so we'll have to cover that at some point. We will cover it at some point. Definitely. Um, Yeah. But you've read Joyland, right? I have. It's awesome. Yeah. I agree. And we we do need to we need to have Kim C on for all of the hard case crime stuff that's still that's still on the docket and everything. But um mm-hmm. but yeah, we'll do that eventually. But yeah, I I'm eager to reread Joyland because I just remember just loving that story so much. Um Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yep. Um, but speaking of movies and of books and everything, the other piece of news I have is Paul Greengrass is lined up to adapt and direct Stephen King's new bestseller, Fairy Tale, which came out September 6th, I think. Um, so this is from Deadline. Basically, Paul Greengrass and Greg Goodman will be producing the film and Greengrass will be directing it. And King said, uh, quote, needless to say, I'm a Paul Green- Greengrass fan and think he's a wonderful choice for this film. And then Paul Greengrass uh, is quoted as saying, fairy tale is a work of genius, a classic adventure story and also a disturbing contemporary allegory. Um, so how do you feel about this? Uh, this news, how do you feel about Paul Greengrass as well? Because I, I'm kind of back and forth with him. Um, how do you feel about Paul yeah. Greengrass and this news? Well, the news that's that was fast, yeah. Really fast. I mean, oh, yeah. Um, not necessarily surprising because I feel like anything Stephen King gets gobbled, yeah. gobbled up pretty quick, mm-hmm. uh, because it's so reliable. But, um, yeah, that's really fast, and especially the fact that it's like they already have the the filmmaker and producer lined up. Paul yeah. Greengrass. That's that's what's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited because I I like Paul Greengrass. I think mm-hmm. he's known for that kind of like steady cam shaky yeah. thing like and the born the born movies yeah, yeah. united um, 93 yeah right right um mm. i i'm a big fan i that doesn't necessarily bother me um i i think it's a fun style mm-hmm. uh, i i like his style um so i'm i'm a fan of paul greengrass um I, unfortunately i haven't read fairy tale yet mm-hmm. so i don't know how his style and aesthetic will apply to that story or mm-hmm. if, if that's a good fit i don't really know but um he's kind of you know paul greengrass in my experience is a lot i i was gonna say he's kind of a, an action director yeah um but i guess united 93 that's not that's not an action movie no um it's sort of thriller-ish you know mm-hmm. it's a thriller i guess but um i'm just curious if that if that tone will um jive with with fairy tale so yeah we'll, and you we'll know see. I'm curious if he's actually going to use that kind of shaky cam thing um, yeah. with it as well, because his last movie, his most recent movie was um, 
Paul Greengrass was News of the World, I think, from 2000, uh, 2000, or no, no, not 2000, Jesus, I'm sorry, 2020, <laughs> 2020, um, okay. and I just, I completely screwed up the typing of the, of his name on here, but anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> News of the World with, um, Tom Hanks, uh, which it was fine. I mean, it was, it was okay. Um, basically the plot, yeah, it was a a civil war veteran agrees to deliver a girl taken by the Kiowa uh, people years ago to her aunt and uncle against her will. Um, Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a Paul Greengrass movie. Yeah. He also co-wrote the script. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. You saw it though, and it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. It was it was fine, but it wasn't. It was it was a more traditionally shot film. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think it could be interesting. Yeah. I guess um, I'd kind of forgotten that he had directed that one until I was making the notes and everything. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. But I'm I'm like I'm twelve chapters into Fairy Tale. I need to get back into it and and do it because I'm doing on Patreon. Uh, kind of a read-along thing where every hundred pages or so I record like my thoughts on that section of of the book and I throw it on Patreon for the $2 and above uh, patrons. But um, I'm really enjoying it. Like these first like hundred or 150 pages are just that classic Stephen King, like building up characters and introducing character dynamics and character relationships and then diving into them before before even hinting at like anything else that's going on with the story um so it's it's really good it's really good are you going to be reading it soon that's the plan yeah um i'm reading something else at the moment but Mm -hmm. yeah i was kind of holding off until we had a plan for when we were going to review it for the show. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, my thought is that we, after this episode, we have Carrie 2013 to do. And then I mm-hmm. think after that, maybe we can do fairy tale. And then okay. after that, we can go into Firestarter and the movies for Firestarter. Cause that was the initial plan. And then eventually that was going to lead to something. Oh, the new Firestarter movie. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's all up in the air, but maybe we can do fairy tale after after we finish our carry series. Okay. Yeah. Um cool. so yeah, so that's all the Stephen King news that I have. Um and I've got um a few Stephen King check-ins. Um but Tiny, do you have any check-ins for Stephen King check-ins for the show? Unfortunately, no. I don't. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of you, if there are any that I could like force upon you to bring up, but I can't, th- y- you do own fairy tale, right? <laughs> I do. I bought it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. That's my check in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, I've got, I've got, I think three or four, uh, check-ins that include one very shameless plug, but anyway, <laughs> I'm going to do the two book related ones. Well, there's three book-related ones. Anyway, who cares? So um, my girlfriend, Jess, started working a part-time job at a bookstore, and she has kept her eyes out for um, a bunch of Stephen King stuff for me, and she surprised me with... Did I tell you about this? Oh, I think I did tell you about this time. Yeah, you told me. Yeah. yeah. Um, she surprised me with this, this hardcover um, edition of... 
it's it's Stephen King's Battleground, which is uh, the subheading is a commemora- a commemoration of the Emmy winning oh my god a commemoration of the Emmy winning television adaptation edited by uh, Richard Christian Matheson. Um, so, uh, this is just an incredible like book. Um, it's like, it's kind of not necessarily a coffee table book, but it's like a big, a big hardcover book with a dust jacket and everything. But what it is, is it has, so, so let me get some back. Let me, let me share some background. Battleground is a very cool story in night shift. Um, it's a short story from night shift about a man, a kind of, I think he's like a contract killer or hitman or whatever you want to call him, who uh, is gifted a box of toy soldiers. And the toy soldiers are, they they come to life and try to kill him, basically. Um, yeah. And so it was adapted into um, TNT's uh, 2006 Nightmares and Dreamscapes from the stories of Stephen King uh, series. And... I talked about it in a previous episode long ago that I watched that episode because I was reading Night Shift and it blew my mind because Battleground is a story that um, is a, is very much patterned after the episode of The Twilight Zone, The Invaders, which is about a woman who is uh, who is under siege from these miniature aliens that have landed on her house. And what I was just floored by was the fact that the battleground adaptation in nightmares and dreamscapes was patterned after the invaders episode of the twilight zone. And the invaders was written by Richard Matheson and the, um, the script for the battleground adaptation was written by Richard Christian Matheson, Richard Matheson's son. And just like all of the layers to that just blew my mind. But this book is incredible. It's, um, it has an introduction from from Richard Chris, Christian Matheson. Then it has the short story itself, and then it has a bunch of like interviews and essays, like it, and it has the script for the TV episode, and it just has a whole bunch of stuff. It has, um, it also has the storyboards, and it has like an essay from William Hurt, who starred in the episode, um, mm-hmm. who recently passed away, uh, fairly right. recently. Um, but it's just, it's really cool. What I think I'm going to do is, um, probably early next year, I'm going to, um, read through it and post something on Patreon about it. Uh, but yeah, I'm very pleased with it. I'm, it's, it's really cool. I'm very, very, uh, very happy with it. So, um, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, you have not read Battleground or Night Shift. No, I haven't, but I did, um, I did see the episode of television with with William Hurt. Oh, uh, nice! Oh, that's right. I, I think, think we talked about this. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. There's no dialogue, right? Yep, there's no dialogue, which is yeah. that, again, it's just so cool because in the yeah. Invaders in the Twilight Zone, there was no dialogue either, and it's just <laughs> it's it's so awesome. It's that's so cool. cool. Yeah, I need to get back to Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, you do. I've is it is it still yeah. on Netflix? No, it's on Paramount Plus, but. I okay. I I have a profile on there for you, so <laughs> I can give you okay. the password and everything. Um, okay. Yeah, Paramount Plus, formerly uh, CBS All Access, the <laughs> the preferred stream scre- streaming service of ObsessiveViewer.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say with my tongue in my cheek because I know Tiny, you are not a fan. 
I had so many problems with it. Yeah. 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 I'm sure it's better now, but <laughs> it's it's fine. <laughs> it still has that very annoying trait where I pay for the for the no ads thing, but weirdly enough, every single time, like it doesn't have the ads in it like like it did for you when you had CBS All Access with no ads. But every time, like it just has like the ads at the beginning, like the ad for oh. whatever Paramount Plus thing they're hawking. And I'm just like, oh. just, I don't even want to see that. I just want to, I don't know. Anyway. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's a tangent, but, uh, shall I continue with the check-ins and I'll try to be brief with, with some of these two so we can yeah, kind of sure. keep going. Okay. So the next thing is another thing that my girlfriend Jess had bought. She actually pre-ordered this a while ago and it just came out and it's available on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes and everything. It's Castle Rock. Uh, I'm going to take that again. Castle Rock Kitchen. Uh, Wicked Good Recipes from the World of Stephen King by <laughs> <laughs> Teresa Carly Sanders with a forward written by Stephen King. Um, it is on my counter, so it's, it's away from where I'm sitting, but, uh, this is a very cool, like cookbook. Um, I'm just, I'm like Jess and I, when, when she got it, uh, she brought it over and we were like looking through it and everything. Uh, there's tons of like really cool recipes that I honestly can't wait, uh, to check out. But just for an example, like, uh, some of the, some of the recipes in it, this one I'm not too interested in cause I don't like beans, but, uh, like some of the examples are Dick Halloran's baked beans, uh, <laughs> Dolores's oven risotto, uh, <laughs> life sentence oatmeal. <laughs> and, uh, this doesn't really have a bearing on anything, but they have a recipe for homemade root beer, which speaks to me. I'm very curious about that. Um, nice. So yeah, so it's very cool, very interesting. Um, and each recipe has like an excerpt from the book that it's inspired by or the story that it's inspired from. And there are some pretty nice like deep cuts in there too. Um, nice. Yeah, and then, uh, and then there's little like blurbs for each one and everything. And it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. I'm just, I, I love it. Yeah. So nice. I will be disappointed if it does not contain a recipe for gunslinger burritos. I hate <laughs> to tell you this. There's no dark tower stuff in it. <sighs> yeah. I really want them to do like a follow up with just dark tower world, like mid world stuff, like gunslinger yeah. burritos and popkins and, uh, other dark tower foods, I guess. Um, Damn. yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, but there's tons of stuff on there, so. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's yeah. plenty of good stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, um, and then the last couple of check-ins I have is that I kind of mentioned before I'm kind of slowly making my way through Fairy Tale and I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm gonna get back at it very soon and have more stuff posted on Patreon. So, um, if you want to follow along with me on Patreon, uh, it's $2 per month. You get access to a bunch of stuff there or $5 or $10 if you feel particularly generous, but, um, I'm doing kind of a read along review, really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, Stephen King still has not skipped a beat. (laughs) It's just very awesome. And then here's, comes the shameless plug as well, because, Uh, One of the reasons why, maybe not the reason why we've been a little bit delayed with getting a new episode out is that I've been really just plugging away at Patreon stuff. Um, So I've been making my way through Dark, the German sci-fi series on Netflix. 
and I've been doing episode reviews of that on Patreon for the $2 and above patrons. Um, first of all, I am literally, like, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of myself for those (laughs) reviews because I'm going very deep into it. Um, and the show is just, it's tailor-made for me. It's, it's, it is, it's incredible. Um, and I released the first two Patreon reviews as a full Obsessive Viewer episode over on Obsessive Viewer. So check that out, OV383. But the reason I'm bringing up this in Stephen King check-ins is that in July of 2020, Stephen King tweeted his enjoyment of Dark. And <laughs> I'm going to just read the tweets to entice people to to watch the show and then maybe throw some money at Patreon to listen to my reviews. But anyway... Uh, King had written on Twitter on July 23rd, 2020, he said, Dark is dark and complex and, well, very German. Uh, Terrific show. If you get confused, go to Meta Witches and check out Metacrone's recaps. Detailed and helpful. I think he meant... I think he meant if you get confused, go two years into the future and subscribe to the Obsessive Viewer Patreon feed. Um, Totally. Totally. Yeah. And then he said, you think the world is going to shit. Then you find out other people are watching dark and you say, thank you, God, there's hope. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just adore that show. Um, it's, I'm, I'm into the second season now and it's, oh, it's, it's, it's something special. That's great. Yeah. I watched the first season a little while ago and, uh, I really liked it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and as, as I was watching it, I was like, Matt's going to be all over the show. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm glad yeah. you like it. Oh, thank you. Yes, I am too. And like, I've been doing like, I've been taking like rigorous notes every episode and like, I've been just really like for, for frame of reference, when I do TV reviews on Patreon and everything, it's usually like 30, 40 minutes of, of content that I'm kind of I'm just immediate. It's an immediate reaction to it. But with dark, it's like I'm pausing every few seconds. I'm taking notes and everything. I'm watching it. I'm absorbing it. And then I'm talking for an hour or hour and a half per episode. (laughs) And it's just like, it's, it's, it's very fulfilling and I'm very excited about it. So sweet. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, that is, those are my check-ins and everything and shameless plugs and everything. Again, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. But, uh, Tiny, do you want to get into our review for this evening? Absolutely. Nice. So, like I said before, we're going to be continuing our series on Carrie and its various adaptations. Uh, Tonight, we are discussing the 2002 TV movie, uh, that aired on November 4th, 2002 on NBC. Um, and just for form's sake, the (laughs) plot summary courtesy of IMDb is Carrie White is a lonely and painfully shy teenage girl with telekinetic powers who is slowly pushed to the edge of insanity by frequent bullying from both her classmates and her domineering religious mother. Uh, this adaptation of Carrie uh, starred Angela Bettis as as Carrie White. Uh, as of right now, this is her only Stephen King-related work in her filmography. Uh, co-starring as Margaret White is Patricia Clarkson, uh, who would go on to appear in The Green... Or no, she previously appeared in The Green Mile, in Frank Darabont's The Green Mile. 
And then the rest of the cast includes Rena Sofer as Miss Desjardins, uh, her only Stephen King work. Uh, Candace McClure as Sue Snell, who she would go on to uh, to play a role in the 2009 TV movie edition of Children of the Corn, I think. Um, and she also appeared in one episode of Haven. And then rounding out the cast is Emily DeRaven as Chris Hargensen. This is her only Stephen King work. And of course, she is very much famous for uh, her role in Lost, which is kind of a kindred spirit, kindred spirit to uh, Stephen King, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Writer for this movie is Brian Fuller. And as far as other Stephen King, um, properties that he's, uh, taken the helm on, he was announced a while ago to be adapting Christine. Um, I'm not sure what the status of that project is, but after like hearing him on King cast and I like, I'm, I'm dying to, to see what he does with that, with that particular story. So yeah, for sure. Yep. And then rounding out the talent is director David Carson. This is his only Stephen King work. Um, so, uh, so tiny. Um, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Of course, we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler review of, um, Carrie 2002, um, to bring us into the non-spoiler section into the, um, into the, the review proper. I'm actually going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer. If you don't mind, is that cool? <laughs> yes, sir. All right, here we go. Clip from the trailer for Carrie 2002. Something has happened at you in high school. Something horrible. Something evil. And one man must find out what it was. To the going theory is that the three of you conspired to get Carrie White to the prom so you could humiliate her. And then something went wrong and a lot of people were killed. Was it the outsider who kept to herself? Up until half an hour ago, Carrie White thought her first period was homeroom. When she was mistreated. You should have told me, Mama. The girls all made fun of me. Did she just fade away? Shouldn't people like that be homeschooled? You know, creepy religious people. <laughs> We're very sorry about all this, Cassie. It's Carrie. So, Tiny, had you seen this version of Carrie before, and what did you think about it this time around, or the first viewing, whenever? Uh, how'd you feel about Carrie 2002? Uh, I didn't even really know it existed until <laughs> nice. you mentioned us reviewing it for the podcast. <laughs> um, was this on Sci-Fi? Is that where this aired? No, it was on Net, uh, not Netflix, but uh, NBC. Yep. NBC, really? Yeah. Huh, yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, it was um when I saw the date of release compared to the quality of the show, <laughs> I was like, this came out in 2002 because it kind of feels like 1992. Yeah. Um be just just because it was totally a like 90s camp show. Mm -hmm. Um that's how what it that's really what it felt like. Um yeah. and I'm not I'm not averse to that like um sure i i i like in our top 19 adaptations i talked about how despite the campiness of the it series i really like that adaptation you yeah. know it's it's if you can if you can get past that aesthetic nature of the show it's a really good adaptation mm -hmm. um and so i you would think that i would be 
more uh, prone uh, to 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 kind of like this adaptation. Um, I I just thought it was fine. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think my biggest qualm with it is it doesn't need to exist. Yeah, you know the um, Sissy Spacek movie from the seventies is a fantastic adaptation, and it's great, and it does not need to be remade. Um, yeah. And I just, I don't know, especially doesn't need to be on TV, yeah, uh, network TV um, <laughs> in early two thousands to boot. Um, it's it's just it's it's just weird. It, I don't know yeah. why someone thought this would be a good idea. Um, <laughs> you know, TV is different now. You know, you can mm-hmm. put something on Netflix or whatever, and you can um, have a nice big budget, and it'll be good, and you can have your rated r rated tvma and i don't have mm-hmm. to worry about anything yeah but a network adaptation of carrie in 2002 i just don't understand why yeah. someone thought it was a good idea um yeah I, I i just thought it was fine i i'm probably not really going to remember it um mm-hmm. and there, there's not really a ton there to say about it i guess <laughs> um it just yeah. just because the movie the movie already exists and like yeah you know i, I think maybe when we talked about the movie um it's it it has a certain level of icon status Mm -hmm. i think i mean oh yeah it's to the extent where you you know maybe it's not maybe not like the shining Mm -hmm. but you can you can mention the movie and you know everyone knows what you're talking about oh yeah they've probably seen it and maybe they don't hold it in as high of a regard as they hold something like the shining but Mm -hmm. it's there and and people know about it and there's a lot of people who love it and it's one of their favorite Mm -hmm. horror movies so um absolutely I, i just I just don't know why this needed to be made. Yeah, I am inclined to agree with you. I will say that I was surprised because I I had watched this in 2013 um, in preparation for the Chloe Grace Moretz movie. Um, And I didn't really remember much of anything about it. And watching it today, I kind of... I had some conflicting thoughts. First of all, the the locker room scene or the shower scene, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, the the famous period scene is like really weird in that it is seemingly trying to emulate uh, De Palma's style with the opening of his Carrie movie. And it just seems like completely unnecessary to do that. And it kind of even though it comes a few scenes later in the movie um, and it doesn't open the movie with it, it's still kind of just signals to the audience that, you know, we like, like it's, it's the only thing it's doing is reminding us that there is a, a more, maybe not more prestigious, but a more well done, like iconic movie that's made from this property. So the fact that they just kind of tried to emulate it for that just kind of set a tone or set the pace to it to make us think like, okay, well, they're not going to do anything unique with it. And that's a half like truth because (laughs) they do unique things with this that we will talk about in spoilers, but Mm -hmm. it's, it, it made my, made me scratch my head and it reminded me that like, I know some of the stuff about the production and everything that I'll talk about in spoilers, but the things that they do that, that differentiates it from the De Palma film and from the source text and everything makes it make sense that it would be on like a TV movie of the week kind of thing, <laughs> um, yeah. given everything, uh, surrounding it. But 
I was kind of overall a little bit, I, I, I feel like I was prepared to, to kind of dog this movie and, and just have no redeeming uh, thoughts about it or anything. But I felt like it was actually a little bit better than I expected and better than I remembered. Um, in particular, even though it is like an early 2000s made for TV movie, um, it's still, I feel like the visual effects of the destruction and everything were, were a little bit more well done than I expected for, for a TV movie of that era. Um, like I think to, I mean, I think back to like, um, the Langoliers, which came out like probably maybe a, maybe a full decade before this. Um, but if you compare like, uh, the, yeah, the Langoliers was in 95. The visual effects of that is just atrocious. Like it is so, it's so just bad, but in just a span of what, seven years, they actually got really decent or passable visual effects. So I think that the timing of making it is, is okay, but there's a lot about it that I just didn't really kind of like all that much. And it kind of like kind of drug the drug, the experience down. Most of all, yeah, I don't know why it exists. It doesn't really make a case for it to have a purpose behind existing. Like, I believe that the 2013 movie was made because they felt like this and De Palma's film didn't necessarily um, have uh, much of anything to say about bullying and everything. And in the era that we're in now, like, that is a... this story is kind of tailored to that sort of storytelling and everything. But even on that front, like this doesn't really work all that well for, for that. Cause it just, it feels like it's just not, not that good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one of the things that they tried to do different from the De Palma's movie, um, they had the, the kind of investigation, uh, mm-hmm. featured with with the the cop and yeah. interviewing all the people and everything um so uh, that's something they tried to do differently and mm-hmm. i mean they they did it um <laughs> yeah but it's uh, you know it didn't really i don't feel like it really added anything it I, really I, didn't you know i i think maybe they thought it was going to be something that tied everything together or something mm-hmm. um and it kind of does that in the book. I, I think mm-hmm. in the the book, I enjoy that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it has, you know, it has like kind of this classic mystery feel to it. Um, and and I like that in the book, but in this, it was just exposition dumps and yeah, um, really really low budget shit. Like the yeah, um, I was like blown away by the the filming of those scenes because it's like it's like extreme close up. Like it's just like, <laughs> yes. it's, it's faces. It's just faces, mm-hmm. the cop. And then the, the other, the other random cop who doesn't say anything the whole time. And she's just standing behind <laughs> the camera, running the camera for yep. some fucking reason. Um, like he can't press a goddamn button. Um, and then the person being interviewed, it's just like, there's no, I could not tell you what color the fucking walls were. Because yeah. The, the close ups were so tight and it's just like, <laughs> 
I don't know. It's like we're I, I I that to me that just screams extremely low budget and like yeah maybe I'm wrong but um and, and it tries to kind of like what you were saying it it tries to manufacture some of that suspense and the mystery surrounding what happens at prom and everything which is something I can definitely appreciate about it because it it is an attempt to honor the book structure because the book has that yeah. epistolary format with the interrogation and like with testimonies during the investigation and with like depositions and stuff, transcripts from the white commission, which is a government commission to look into what happened. And then even excerpts from Sue Snell's book about telekinetic energy and telekinetic powers and everything and about what happened. So the book by doing that, creates this incredibly like this widespread global phenomenon out of what happens which gives us the suspense and the build-up toward the finale that the story needs because we know that yes it is going to get bonkers insane there's going to be death destruction horror everything but uh so, so that that leads us to that but here in the show here in the movie we just have this very like disconnected like police investigation that like also I like there was a, a piece of trivia on IMDb that I, I can't remember exactly what it said, but um I think it was on IMDb, but uh it was something like like how would how would they even prosecute that? Like like I mean I get the conspiracy aspect of it and everything, but like murders through telekinetic telekinesis like i don't know how that's prosecuted or anything <laughs> right um yeah and it just it felt like just kind of a it kind of felt like a a weird kind of heel turn from the book and by that i mean that it is this story is inherently this fantasy this fantasy world about telekinetic powers and how like it led to the deaths of of tons of people and all of this like this mayhem and everything but the movie like rec recognizes that but then kind of pointedly makes it grounded with this police investigation of just this community investigating just this incident and just these like three or four people that were involved in some way and that that is just counter to what the book does because the book is expansive in this. I, I, I don't know. I don't like how high pitched my voice got there. The book <laughs> is, is, is expansive, um, but the movie is just grounding it to make it a police procedural. And then that just kind of takes some of the mystique and uh, energy away from it. And I don't know. It just, it just doesn't really uh, connect with me. Yeah, totally. And I hadn't even thought of that. That's such a good, mm -hmm. you're totally right. Cause yeah. Like what's the point? Like this guy is a small town cop. Yeah. And it's like what, and he, and it's funny cause he's kind of the stereotypical, like, like, Oh, I'm, I'm this like skilled sleuth. Who's gonna, you know, find this shit out and get to the <laughs> bottom of this and get yeah. to this, find, find the truth. And it's like, for yeah. what, for, you know? for what it's, reason for like, and yeah. And it's just, it's so, yeah it's so cliched and it's so just it does it doesn't work yeah you're gonna send these girls to jail for killing a pig like, right 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it 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 didn't work in my eyes. Um, yeah, that that cop character was so forgettable. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is that the the marketing, the trailer, like like puts him front and center. Like this this man is trying to get to the bottom of it and everything. It's like okay, fine, sure, right? right. Yeah. Um, as far as the casting goes, um, I thought, um. I think they did a pretty good job yeah. casting it. Um, Angela Bettis was she did she did a good job. I she mean, did. She um was maybe a bit um a bit much in some of the scenes mm-hmm. maybe, but I I don't know. I guess I, I guess uh Carrie Carrie White is a pretty um hysterical kind of person anyway, so maybe yeah. that's that's in keeping with the character, you know. Yeah, and um, I kind of feel like she was maybe a little bit beholden to to Sissy SpaceX performance in the first one. Right. Like right. it just seemed like part of it was just kind of maybe not fully emulating it, but just kind of using that as using that as a as a jumping off point for for her performance. Right. Yeah. As, I mean, so she she did a good job. I I I've seen her in other stuff, but I don't really remember her from other she's not yeah i guess she's not sticking in my memory but i know i've seen her in other things um but yeah she did a really good job i feel like um patricia clarkson though as mm-hmm. as margaret white was again just kind of forgettable like she yeah. she did not have the intensity uh you know of the character in, in the, no. the movie brian de palma's movie and, yeah. and seemed just a little too a little too subdued which is weird because patricia clarkson's a great actor Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, that's she has plenty of great roles out there, but uh yeah, for whatever reason in this, I, I like she was just going for a paycheck or something. It was kind of weird. Yeah, it felt very and and Margaret White is a character who needs to be as larger than life as can be because the whole point of the movie is this dark religion and this religious zealotry that breeds this abusive relationship and that's the horror of it is like the horror of the story is that this woman has just horrifically abused her daughter and has just, is this incredibly just insane person. Um, and I, I would, I would argue that the telekinesis and the, the bullying and everything and the, the pig blood and everything is kind of secondary to that. And this movie kind of squanders it because it just has, like you said, she's kind of subdued. Even when she has the, um, has the outbursts of like saying like, go, go to your closet and, and, you know, um, pray and everything. It it seems like she's not fully committing to the insanity of the character. And that's a little bit, a little bit frustrating and, and doesn't really help with the already kind of, um, issue laden pacing i guess yeah for sure um but i feel like the rest of the cast is is just pretty uh pretty standard in their performances um candace mcclure is just i don't think she's really that great of an actor i mean I, oh yeah <laughs> I, I remember her from um i know her from battlestar galactica mm-hmm um and i remember watching her on that and thinking eh, she's not that great so <laughs> wow um which I, I mean, she's not terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just I, I had kind of forgotten about her until yeah. I saw this, and I was like, "Oh, that's right, she was in." I don't know. She's again just forgettable is the word I kind of keep coming back mm-hmm. to. Um, 
unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Well, on the line now, we have our special guest. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I was going to say... I know Candace McClure from uh, from from uh, Battlestar Galactica as well because I watched like the first three or first two seasons and some of the third season. I need to actually like go back and watch it um, proper. But um, an anecdote about Candace McClure is: Do you remember the first year that PopCon was in Indianapolis and she was there and we were at our booth recording and she smiled and waved at us and then. My dumbass did not think to wave her over to get an interview with her as we were recording a podcast. Oh, yeah. That was her. Yeah, that was her. Dang, I forgot about that completely. Yep. So, friend of the show, Candace McClure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, now I feel like a dick for saying... Oh, no, it's fine. All that shit. Uh, yeah. She's really pretty. I'll say that. She's <laughs> sure, yeah. She's a gorgeous woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she did a fine enough job as Sue Snell. Um I do kind of appreciate the way that this iteration of Carrie gives her a little bit more to do. Um, it seems a yeah. little bit, it's, it seems a little bit more focused on her, which I think is, is the proper way to tell the story in this medium because she is, she's an, she's an observer of Carrie's downfall and of Carrie's ridicule and everything. And, and having it from her point of view is, a little bit, a little bit, it creates a sharper vision of the, the tragedy of Carrie, um, the tragedy of Carrie White, which we'll talk about this in spoilers, but (laughs) which this movie completely squanders and gets completely wrong. And the ending is just absolutely dumb. Um, but we'll talk about that. But for the most part, I think that the focal point being mostly on Sue Snell is, is, uh, is the right way to to handle the story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with that. The structure was, that was a decent choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Emily DeRaven um, as Chris Harginson? Um, She was fine. I, I feel like um, the character of Chris Harginson is just like so harsh. So Chris Harshenson. Um, <laughs> nice. It, it's almost like she's a little over the top just because mm-hmm. like she's so such a ridiculous bully yeah um just so angry for no reason you know um but she she did fine i mean um it's it's interesting to picture her in that role because i just see um i just see claire from lost you know yeah. it's hard for me to picture her as anything else hopeless little or a helpless little claire um yeah. but uh yeah she she did a pretty good job it was interesting to see her like that yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think she did a fine enough job. If I'm not mistaken, I think that this was her first role, actually. Maybe. Um, I was looking through that, and it's one of her... Like, I think maybe she did some television stuff here and there, but it was, like, mm-hmm. small stuff. Okay. Um, and, of course, she is... Uh, she's an Aussie. So, right. um, I think she did a fine enough job with the um, accent. My um, baby. My baby. Charlie. It's the Charlie. baby. Um, <laughs> but this, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. She was in, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she was in Roswell, apparently. Um, uh, that's right. Yeah. But um, one of the faults that I feel is uh, at fault for this movie, one of the ways that the movie is at fault, I think, is that I don't 
like her her motivation in the story is kind of this weird misguided or narcissistic and and bullying payback on Carrie because she is not allowed to go to prom because she she faced consequences for her actions. And in this movie I I feel like there was like a scene unless I unless I imagined this I I feel like there was a scene where she's like yeah I don't even really care about prom. Like okay that it just seems like it just seems like that's that's kind of a big part of the character like why excise that from the character in this movie and give her really nothing um as far as motivation to do a despicable and horrible thing that uh indirectly leads to mass death um <laughs> it's just it's it's a weird choice on uh in the script i think yeah i don't I don't know if I picked up on that line of her yeah. saying that. It's possible that I misheard something, but I feel like there was a part where she said, like, honestly, I don't even really care about prom. It's just the, I think it was like supposed to be kind of implying that it's the principle of the thing or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I guess I missed that part. That's, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I also, to kind of wrap up the performances, um, mm-hmm. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Well, I'm about surprised, but I enjoyed <laughs> Rena Sofer's performance. Me too. Um, I haven't seen her in a lot, uh, especially mm-hmm. haven't seen her in anything in quite a while. Yeah. Um, I, I I like I liked her performance, but I also just liked the characterization yeah. of Miss Desjardin better in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she j- she has more to do, and you know she mm-hmm. has some some moments where she um she connects with Carrie on a human level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I kind of appreciated that. I thought it was nice. I think it's even a little more fleshed out in this than it is in the book even. Um, yeah. I think I agree with you there. I, yeah. Really the character just on like blanket statement, the character of Miss Desjardins is, is a really good character. <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah. and, and I appreciate that. I feel like the, the character, I, she wasn't named Mr. Desjardins in, in De Palma's movie, but I feel like that character is kind of not to her full potential in that movie. I think if I remember yeah, correctly, but I agree. yeah, but here it's it, like, you really get a lot more of, her motivation and her kind of perspective on, on things. And I, I really, I really like that as kind of a counterbalance to the um, perspective that Sue Snell provides with these two people that are in different ways and in similar ways, also simultaneously kind of having this growing compassion toward Carrie and being these observers of what's going on and realizing like how terrible it is, um, for her and everything. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah. How did you feel about the, uh, I'll call it, uh, primitive use of the internet in this show? (laughs) I was going to mention that. It was, I swear to God, I I swear to God, she was about to pop an AOL online CD into a disk drive. Yeah. Like that. And then just like, like Google it or like, cert like, 
net searching or what like ask jeeves jeevesing or whatever um <laughs> like miracles right <laughs> uh that and then when that scene comes up where she's yelling at margaret and saying that there are other people like me that have these same experiences um i read about it on the internet and then margaret white just says like the internet <laughs> it's like okay yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah, it's yeah you know, they they didn't. Uh, it was a different time. Just yeah, a different time. yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, this whole internet fad thing is gonna go away any day now. <laughs> right. Um, but no, that was that's an interesting kind of timestamp for this for this uh, adaptation. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. Honestly, I kind of feel like the story of Carrie, like this property, is so it it feels like there's a universality to it in that. Like I'm, I'm, it makes me excited to see how they handled it in 2013 because I don't really remember that movie all that well, but I'm curious to see how they handled it. And I would, I would say, you know, enough time has passed that I think that this could be a story that can be readapted on like a, a decade, decade by decade, decade by decade basis, um, as the culture changes, as the, you know, as the kind of world of, of teen drama, uh, evolves and, and changes with, with like the world and everything. Um, not to say Hmm. that this has anything really of importance or of, of like a profound nature to say about it or anything, because this movie has, (laughs) this movie has such an abundance of like, it's kind of to that, um, that goofiness that you described or that, that kind of uh camp factor uh, mm-hmm. where like the scenes with the teenagers just have this kind of very goofy, uh, like early two thousands cliched hipness. In it. <laughs> right. Like everything from the soundtrack to the way that they're kind of like, you know, moving around. It just seems like, I don't know. It just seems very, very goofy and a little bit out of touch, but for sure. Um, yeah. Chris Harginson's boyfriend was just unwatchably oh bad. Oh my god, yes. I uh, agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, he was just awful. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I hate to say it, but part of it was the writing. The writing was just mm-hmm. so bad. Um, because I appreciate Brian mm-hmm. Fuller uh as, as a writer, but that it was just bad. Yeah. Uh, and oh yeah. It, mo- most of it was the actor. The actor was just terrible and over the top. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was uh, that was a little treat in the show. Yeah, there's a there's a moment where they hear about what is going on, and then and then Chris is like, "Hey, uh, like, did you hear what he said? What like what are we doing?" Because he gets up, um, he gets up and he's like, "We're we're going." And then she's like, "What are you, what are we doing?" And then there's like a solid like three to four second like like moment where he's just standing there staring at nothing. And then he says, we're going to go watch the fire. And it's just the (laughs) flattest read. The like, it is the most like, like if you take that moment and make it into a gif, that is like, or you can memeify it and make it like a no thoughts, head empty, like meme (laughs) because there's nothing to that guy's uh, performance. Uh, Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Um yeah, it's uh 
it's 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 pretty it's pretty bad um yeah. do you want to get into spoilers what what we can of, of this now or any other thoughts yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. Okay, awesome. Um, well, actually, right before spoilers, I do do want to mention that I did sort of appreciate the "she's all that" reference. Um, yeah, as prolonged as it was, but like I I just like when they kind of play with pop culture there. And then later in the movie, um, when they're going to prom, uh, Carrie references Pygmalion, and then references My Fair Lady, which is you know the what she's all that is like based on and everything. Um, so yeah, but anyway, um, we're going to go into spoilers for the 2002 TV movie version of Carrie. Uh, so stay tuned. Um, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, we watched it on voodoo so you can rent or buy it there. And who knows, it might actually entire in its entirety be available on YouTube (laughs) for all I know. Um, Mm. but, uh, to separate the, um, uh, yeah. So, so to separate the, uh, non-spoiler to spoiler. Okay. I'm not finding it on, on YouTube, so that's fine. But anyway, um, I'm going to play some music and then when we come back, we're going to spoil Carrie 2002. So spoilers on for Carrie 2002, the TV movie from uh, Brian Fuller and David Carson. Uh, Tiny, what did you think in spoilers about this iteration of Carrie? Well, the kind of big meaty part is the, um, you know, the ending, um, Mm -hmm. which we can talk about. But I... um, I think one thing I've mostly kind of kind of shit on this uh, yeah <laughs> this adaptation, um, but genuinely I I think one thing that they did really well with, despite the poor quality, um, is mm-hmm. they they showcased the destruction of the town um, really well. Yeah, I, I think I think that's something that the original one was lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the books, there and then in the book, it's being described as you know all all the fire hydrants are exploding and shooting water into the air, and there's the, the um, uh, all kinds of destruction going on. And in, in the movie, the Sissy Spacek Brian De Palma movie from the seventies didn't really capture that too right. much. There was a couple shots, couple scenes, that was about it. But this, there was a a cool part where they had like a, we would call it like a drone shot nowadays, like a mm-hmm. bird's eye thing where they're kind of going around town and you can see all this, these fires starting and things blowing up. And um, there's a part where you see her walking down the street and she's, uh, the, the fences are collapsing and the light posts are coming down, yeah. cars are flipping over. And it kind of looked... I don't want to say it looked like shit. It did not look good. <laughs> sure. It, it didn't look good. Um, but the I, I liked the idea of it. The concept mm-hmm. of it was was really cool. And that's that's what I wanted to see um in in the movie. And they 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 pulled it off here. It's 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 a little it's it's fairly campy, but yeah, they pulled it off here. And and I, I I'm glad that they actually went for it, you know. 
Yeah, me too. And it's funny, you said earlier in the episode, you mentioned, uh, you asked if this was on sci-fi, and the visual effects of it does look like a sci-fi presentation. And I mean that as both good and bad. I do think that it looks fairly decent for uh, for the time it was in and the, you know, it being a TV movie. It's like the visual effects look pretty solid, especially like when uh, Chris and um, uh, Billy Nolan, is that him? Is that his name? Um, I think so. Yeah, when the, they, their death scene... I mean, that's a big set piece and it's, it's fine, but I think that if this was made like two or three years earlier, it would have, it would have not been able to be done in such a way. It would have looked even like absolutely worse. Um, so I think, I think knowing the time, the time frame that this was made in, like it's, it's pretty acceptable in my eyes. Um. But, okay. and I do appreciate that they went, went for, like, they actually went for it with the destruction of the town and everything, because that's something that is, it's such a pivotal part of the story. And I wish that they would have, again, I just wish that they would have, and maybe even just absolutely instead of doing the investigation thing, have the white commission be a part of it, have that be the frame story have that be what they keep going back to and everything so it establishes that it's a a big event that is much bigger than just you know a a girl killing a bunch of kids at prom um mm-hmm. i don't know it just it it's it's a frustrating adaptation for me yeah it's yeah it's a little frustrating yeah, yeah. maybe i'm a little harsh on it visually but it um it it certainly didn't look great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at the very least. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I'm not but, saying it should go up for any awards or anything like that by any yeah. stretch at all. I think mostly I'm just I'm just appreciative that they that they went for it when just the fact that it's a network TV like movie of the week movie with you know a, I would assume a very low budget like I'm they could have easily went went a more streamlined route without kind of making that that um giving that burden to themselves yeah totally agree for sure yeah um but then yeah the you know i i think i think the big the big part in spoilers is the ending uh the yeah. different ending um i don't know <laughs> if you want to jump to that yet or not but. uh we can't let's let's talk a little bit about margaret white first um okay because i don't remember how they did how they how they do Margaret White's death in the 2013 movie. Um, but and I remember liking how they did it in uh in De Palma's movie, but here they actually do the you know heart attack kind of crushing heart with telekinetic powers thing, which it looks hokey, it looks weird, it looks goofy, it's very disconnected, I guess. But I appreciate that they did that because that is that is such a, a a big part of the book that and it just it it has that tragedy baked into it. And I think that that is the tragedy of of those characters and everything. And it just feels so tragic. So I'm glad that they did that. Of course, the like I said, the tragedy of Carrie White is completely extinguished and gone to shit because of the ending of this movie but there in that moment i liked it how did you feel about margaret and carrie's 
big uh family meeting yeah i liked it um i liked it too just because it was true to the uh true to the uh the book you know a true a true adaptation so i, I appreciated they went for that as well mm-hmm. um and i kind of liked the added the sort of added bonus that she was trying to drown carrie mm-hmm. when she did it um yeah because that's not in the book is it no i think no because in the book she stabs her right yeah right. okay so yeah I, I thought that was kind of a disturbing direction to take it you know yeah i, I appreciate because you know she, she was again we mentioned it kind of subdued in this movie compared to uh the De palma movie yeah um so to see her go to that extreme was was pretty you know pretty shocking and i i appreciated that part of it yeah i agree hmm. yeah um so the ending tiny did you know anything about the production of this movie or about why they went with this ending and do you know that yet no no i don't oh okay um i'll t- i'll i'll disclose it to you i'll tell you about it after i get your read on on the ending so what did you think about the ending of the movie in which carrie white basically fakes her death and sue snell drives her to florida and that's it basically <laughs> uh um, what did you think of this ending i i wish i could say i respect it as a creative choice mm-hmm. uh but i really don't i i don't i don't know i'm curious to say to hear what you're going to say because i don't understand that that creative choice i think it was weird mm-hmm. um and it it again to, to your point it just it just completely betrays the character and and mm-hmm. her her suffering it 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 weakens the ending so much um and they even did like the double dream thing where she <laughs> yeah. wakes up twice like she wakes up within the dream and then she wakes up for real i was like mm-hmm. god damn how tired is that even in yeah. 2002 you know um that was just bad it was just bad all around mm-hmm. um and just just creatively not a good choice i didn't care for it either yeah um i was fine with them trying to do something different mm-hmm. you know if they wanted to do something different but that that was just not the right kind of different i guess yeah i i agree and they kind of try to have their cake and eat it too with having them in the car and then and then her having that vision of of her mother and just having like it hinting at like she'll always be haunted by her and everything and like fine but also it's just it it doesn't work it it it's it just doesn't work for me at all but um but the reason that they did this is that this movie was initially, it was, I don't know at what point in production that this was decided, but this movie was intended to be a backdoor pilot for a sequel series that would have, would have followed Carrie White and Sue Snell going on like <sighs> adventures or, or I don't know if they were necessarily going to be on the run from the law with Carrie or, and, or if it was going to be that Carrie was going to be finding other kids that have telekinetic powers and rescuing them and, and guiding them and everything like that. So the intention was to have this spring forward into a full fledged TV series where they would have that. And, uh, the ratings and the reviews and everything of this movie were abysmal. So they scrapped that whole idea and, uh, in, in trivia, um, yeah, so, yeah, okay, yeah, um, 
It says the drastic end- ending change was designed to allow a Carrie television series sequel in which she would help other people with telekinesis control their powers. Um, so yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Tiny? <laughs> Good God. Thank, I mean, thank <laughs> Christ that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Cause talk about ruining the character. Holy mm-hmm. shit. That's that. That's even worse than the ending they cooked up here. That's yeah. Oh yeah. Such a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Like the whole and and oh my god. Like now that I'm now that I'm talking it out, everything is even more frustrating because the fact that like this, like the character of Carrie White is a tragic character. That is the entire point of the character is that she is a tragic character who just never had like the one time that she had like any semblance of normalcy in her life or any sense of uh any sense of of not being who she is or who she who she's perceived to be is the is the prom date with Tommy Ross and that's the sole point of it which also we didn't really talk about this the the this movie does not give that whole um does not do the whole like oh you liked my story so um like that like it doesn't do that whole thing where they have like this friendly connection and everything they even kiss when they when they're dancing which i thought was kind of weird and out of place mm-hmm. but there's no real connection there with them um but the whole point of Carrie White is that she is this tragic figure who is abused by her mother and berated by her mother and who is who is in turn like she is a like her mother is a religious zealot who was also you know a victim of abuse from her from her husband i think if i remember correctly um and so it's it's just basically the cards are so stacked against her and then she has this one moment of like calm and niceness and goodness in in her life for this one night and then it goes to shit everyone dies and she goes absolutely insane and she dies as a result of it she is a tragic character this movie positions her to be the star and hero of a tv series that never happens and it just feels just so tone deaf and weird and not just not good <laughs> It's yeah. it's really really frustrating. Um it's a horrible choice. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it, I feel like it's it's even seated in a way like the tragedy of her is seated in the scene where she where Miss Desjardins is talking to her at prom saying like, "Hey, just so you know, everything that's happening like everything that's happened up to this point is not going to matter after high school. Like you are going to like, you don't ever need to see or talk to any of these people again after you graduate, you're going to have an entirely different life. And like, I feel like that scene is, is pretty well done. If it led to Carrie dying and being a, being like a, tragic figure as it as she should be from the story and everything Mm -hmm. but here it's like okay fine it's just that's a that's a that's just a disconnected scene i think um yeah yeah. i love i loved that scene i thought it was so good and right i appreciated both actors a lot in that scene yes um and good writing too yeah oh yeah it was great i agree with you i totally Mm -hmm. liked it but yeah it would have been made 
so much more significant if they had gone with the original ending. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And how often does that actually work? I'd love to find oh, someone yeah. who, who who did the research where a show took a turn to create a spinoff and it actually worked. And that spinoff not only got made, but mm-hmm. was successful. I mean, and I don't mean like, you know, Mork from Ork oh, in yeah. his own show. Like he was part of that. What was the original? I don't even, it doesn't matter. But like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like when mm-hmm. they actually like made a change to a show, like with the office, when they tried to do that whole thing. With, oh yeah. A backdoor farm pilot. thing. Yeah, a backdoor pilot. There you go. That's, yeah, I didn't realize I had never heard that term before, but that's perfect. Oh, yep. Yeah, like that. How often has that worked? Yeah. I'm really curious. You know? No, I I don't know. I don't even know. I I would say the like one successful spinoff or what have you. Well, not one successful spinoff because there's been tons of spinoffs. Like, I mean, when you have like franchise shows like CSI or. Like right. those procedurals, those work, but like something like this, I I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to look it up and see how many times that's actually worked because I yeah. bet it's not very many. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Oh, Maud from All in the Family. Hmm. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mork and Mindy was from Happy Days. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's always something that kind of bothers me, but like in this case, it's different because it's, it's like an actual made for TV movie that is intended to be the pilot episode, I guess. I don't even know if it was intended to be the pilot episode. I think it was just intended to lead to a spinoff or yeah, lead to right. a sequel. So I don't know. Right. It was, it just kind of crapped the bed for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, should we wind down? Is there anything else we- we want to talk about in spoilers. Mm. No, nothing jumps out to me really. Yeah. Same, same here. Um, yeah. Again, I, I wish that this was better. Um, I respect yeah. Brian Fuller. I, I like the stuff that he's done, but this is kind of a, kind of a, not really that great. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, now have you, you, have you seen the 2013 movie? I have, yeah, but I haven't seen it since it came out almost okay. 10 years ago. Me, same here, same here. Yeah. Um, so I'm very curious uh, how that's going to, um, how that's going to play really. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this, this, this one was uh, definitely a, a misstep though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any parting thoughts or should we wrap it up? I'd say wrap her up. All righty. Well, uh, that was the episode of Tower Junkies, guys. Um, uh, Tiny, I'm glad we're back on Tower Junkies. This it's been it's been a while, and I'm I'm always enjoy talking King with you. Who? Amen <laughs> to that. Yes. So next time on the podcast, which we should hopefully it should hopefully be sooner rather than later, we are going to be discussing the 2013 um, Carrie adaptation, starring Chloe Grace Moretz and Julianne Moore. And, uh, and, oh God, I can't remember her name. Uh, Miss Desjardins in the movie, uh, Judy Greer. Um, 
she's in it also. So, uh, so yeah, so, uh, excited for that. Um, before we go, just once again, check out our other shows, check out obsessive viewer and my solo podcast anthology, where I talk about the twilight zone. I've been really hitting the pavement with that. Also check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for tons and tons and tons of, uh, uh, exclusive bonus content. Um, yeah so without further ado that's it thank you guys so much for listening uh long days and pleasant nights and may you have twice the number ah we timed that pretty much perfectly that was awesome sweet (laughs) and now enjoy this short clip from our patreon exclusive rss feed For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV book and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon potpourri episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. But that's neither here nor there, because in these first six chapters, in the first 108 pages... So we're like a sixth of the way through the novel. We don't have anything in terms of like what the fairy tale is. We don't know anything about what's in the shed. We have little bits and pieces and hints there, but all of this has been build up. All of this has been character development, situational development and everything. And I kind of really, really love it. Um, It is... Again, it's King it's it's King exercising his strength as a storyteller because it is him setting us setting us up for the story as a whole. And what I find really interesting about this in terms of these first 108 chapters or 108 uh, uh, pages um, is that it kind of seems like he's he's curtailed himself or he's 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 kind of brought himself back a little bit when it comes to he's held himself back a little bit when it comes to foreshadowing because he and this isn't necessarily a criticism of him because i i think it works more often than it doesn't work but oftentimes he will um he will do a um very very uh direct and overt um foreshadowing of of things like he does like his signature like oh this was the last time he ever saw him or anything kind of thing and that kind of sometimes that can lessen the suspense a little bit for me case in point interesting enough because case in point uh the eyes of the dragon um this podcast was edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com You can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.